How many of you feel the presence of the Lord? It just seems to break through when we worship and praise. Amen. It doesn't matter what you came into this place with. As you begin to lift him up and give him glory, the atmosphere changes. Amen. And anything is possible when Jesus is in the house. Amen. You are in the right place at the right time. Amen. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, man, I'm glad you are here today. Glad you're here today. Amen. It's good to see most everybody back and I know we're getting into school and uh, a lot of people were out last Sunday traveling and doing different things right before the school started back but we're so thankful for those of you that are, are back and ready to launch into this fall we're excited about what God's doing we had our business meeting Thursday night and uh, made some important decisions we're moving forward with our trust situation even before the legal proceedings finish and so we're uh, we've got some uh, one quote and then we've got a few other quotes that we're getting ready to get in and uh, hopefully this next week or so we'll have some more ideas and uh, we are we are moving forward God's going to help us amen amen, amen. so uh, let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid this ceiling's not going to cave in on you I told God he can bring this building down if he wanted to just not with us in it Amen. It would be fine with me. If you want to do it while we're gone, that's fine with me. I have no problem with that. Amen. But God is good, and we're, we're, ex we're expecting him to do great things. Amen. I want to welcome all of our guests that are with us today and all of our guests that are watching online. And uh, I want to just tell you that we are waiting, eagerly anticipating you coming and being with us in service. And uh, so thank you for checking us out on live stream. And uh, we really hope to see you very soon. During the month of August, we are going to be detailing the story of Jonah. And how many of you know the story of Jonah? How many of you don't know the story of Jonah? All right. So just about everybody. I mean, even people who never go to church, they're like, oh, yeah, I know about Jonah and the whale. Technically, it was a big fish, but we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so even people who don't know the Bible know the story of Jonah, right? So we're trying to go through that, but we're also trying to kind of bring out some things maybe you didn't notice before. And uh, Brother Joe Ontiveros spoke last Sunday, did a great job uh, talking to us about how much God loves the lost. And uh, I will tell you that there is no doubt in my mind that he loves each and every one of us that is here today. And he loves those who are not here today. Amen. So uh, if Jesus gave his life to save the lost and he commissions us to share his love with them, just like other people did for us, then that makes us motivated into action. We've got to be motivated into action. We can't just simply observe. Are you with me? I'm going to let you be seated because some of you already are. So for those of you who are not seated, everybody else can be seated and then we'll all be together. There was, I read uh, a while back uh, this story and it really struck me. It really got a hold of me and made me think about some things. It was, it was about, a, about a railroad wreck that took, took place on a uh, day a long time ago. But it was the story and kind of how it unfolded that really stuck with me. Uh, a lot of life and limb was lost in an eastern state of the United States. And it was a train that was loaded with young people. They were returning from school. 
this train was a, uh, was a passenger train. It was stalled on a suburban track because of what is known as a hot box. And, you know, those of you who are a little bit engineering-minded, uh, you might understand what a hot box is. But uh, here's the thing. This cargo train, uh, there was a cargo train coming, the passenger sitting on the track because of this hot box malfunction. So they sent a flagman back uh, to warn the engineer and let the engineer know uh, of the cargo train that there was another train up ahead. And so the flagman went back to warn this rear end collision and keep, avoid this rear end collision. And, and so thinking all was well in the passenger train, uh, the crowd was laughing and chatting while the train hands were, were working, thinking everything was okay. Suddenly a whistle of the of the cargo train was heard and on came the heavy train and it crashed into the passenger train bringing about great travesty. The engineer of the cargo train saved his own life by jumping from the train right before the collision and some days after he was brought into court and to make an account of his part in this great calamity and a, a curious discrepancy in the testimonies began to arise because he was asked, did you not see the flagman warning you to stop? He replied, I, I saw him, but he waved a yellow flag, and I took it for granted that all was well, and so I went on, uh, I slowed down a little bit, but I kept, kept moving, and the flagman was called, and the flagman was asked, what flag did you wave? And he said, I waved a red flag, but he went by me like, like a shot, like I was just standing still, and he said, you know, are you sure that it was red? And the flagman said, absolutely. So both the flagman and the, uh, the, the, the train's engineer uh, basically insisted they were correct and they had the correct testimony. And, and so it was demonstrated after a few little tests that neither one of them was colorblind. So finally they asked the man to produce the flag as evidence. What flag did you wave? We need that flag. After some delay, he was able to, to get the flag, and then the mystery was explained. It had been red, but it had been exposed to the weather for so long that all the red was bleached out, and now it was just a dirty yellow. The same thing happens for people in our day when preachers and Christians and people who say that we love the laws don't really properly warn them about sin. We leave the blood of Jesus out of things and we water down the Bible. The blood of Jesus is the only saving element. Their need for a savior needs to be present in our lives. It needs to be present in our conversations and for God's sake, it better be present in our churches because somebody is going to hell. Somebody is on the track, on their way to a place that was never intended for them. And somebody has got to wave the warning flag. Somebody has got to say, hey, that wasn't meant for you. You're not supposed to go there. There's a better way. Turn around now. And we read in the book of Jonah about Jonah's mistakes and his issues. But a lot of people don't want to talk about sin. Everybody say that with me. Say sin. sin. It's a pesky word, isn't it? You know, 
we don't want to use it anymore. Sin makes me think of God. Sin makes me think of judgment. Sin would mean that there's a giant moral absolute out there and I'm accountable for something. I mean, I might have to beg for forgiveness. I'm probably going to be punished if there is actually sin. Here's what the dictionary says the, defini the definition for sin is. Sin is a transgression of a divine law. It's a transgression of a divine law, which means there's a divine person. Amen. There's an almighty God or something that has made a law and somehow I have broken that law. So any act regarded as such a transgression, especially a willful or deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle is what the definition goes on to say. Sin means I did it on purpose. Sin means it was willful. Sin means I knew it was wrong when I did it, and that doesn't make me feel very good about myself. In fact, if I commit a sin, after a while, I think I'm a bad person. So guess what we quit doing? We quit using the word. We like this word, mistake. <laughs> All over America today, people are saying, now if you've made any mistakes... I made a mistake. Let me read you the definition of a mistake. A mistake is an error in action, calculation, opinion, or judgment caused by poor reasoning. So we say stuff like, oh, I just wasn't thinking straight. Carelessness. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. Insufficient knowledge. Well, you know, I really didn't know any better. This is a much better word because when you catch me, I can say, oh, my bad. I made a mistake. If you're having an argument with your husband or your wife or, or your parents and it gets a little forceful, you can say stuff like, okay, so I made a mistake. Is it the end of the world? Yeah, anybody? Sound familiar? Or try this. Okay, look, I made a mistake. Nobody's perfect. Get off my back. Sound familiar? The assumption is, you can't be too mad at me because it was just a mistake. I didn't know any better. I have a 10-year-old son. He's not in here. And he likes to say, oh, it's a mistake. Or he'll say, oh, I forgot. I'm like, well, we need to get your memory fixed then. There's a key to getting your memory fixed. You know what the key is, right? The Bible talks about it. Some of you don't, you won't like it, but there's something in the rear end that triggers the memory. It's something, I don't know. Whatever it is, it works. Those buttons, whenever they get pushed, it's boom, it just wakes it right up. Uh, you know, there, there is something to that I made a mistake that we just love because it, it takes all the pressure off of me. So here's the problem that I have. There's a big difference between sinners and mistakers. There's a big difference between a sin and a mistake. I mean, if it's just a mistake, I don't really have to ask you to forgive me. I can just say, I'm sorry. Can we just move on? A sin, well, that's a whole different story altogether. Here's the biggest difference I see between a sin and a mistake. If, if, if everything I do can be dumbed down to where it's just a mistake, guess what it does? It makes me a mistaker. 
Which means, I don't have sin. If I don't have sin, I'm not a sinner. You like how I did that? I'm a mistaker, not a sinner. If I'm not a sinner, guess what? I don't have any need for a savior. If you're just a mistaker, then all you have to do is do better. Just do better. Mistakers, we just have to try harder. We just have to break that nasty habit. Mistakers just have to be more consistent. We just have to try harder next time. But if I'm a sinner, I know some of you are getting uncomfortable. It's good. If I'm a sinner, that seems to be more fundamental to who I am. If I'm a sinner, then simply trying harder will not get it done. Because I probably owe somebody something. I probably deserve something even if I really don't know that much about it. If I'm a sinner, trying harder won't fix it. If I'm a sinner, I need a savior. You might be able to convince me that you made a mistake. Oh, pastor, you don't, it's just a mistake. No big deal. Don't get your feathers ruffled. You might be able to convince me that you're just a mistaker. But here's the truth today. When the lights, the music, and the television are off, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you know better. You know that what you did was intentional. You did it on purpose. You just didn't think you would get caught. Not only did you do it on purpose, you've done it before. Not only did you do it before, you're kind of hoping you can do it again. When somebody brought it to your attention, you were able to pass it off because, oh, it was just a mistake. But you know in your heart of hearts that what you did was more than just a mistake. It was not unintentional. It wasn't because of poor reasoning. It wasn't carelessness. It wasn't because of insufficient knowledge. You knew exactly what you were doing. It wasn't a mistake. It was way deeper than that, wasn't it? Oh, pastor, you're, you're, wait, 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 wait. We're supposed to be talking about Jonah. We are, hold on, we'll get there. But I have to set it up, right? So if it was just a mistake, why do you feel bad right now? Why do you feel guilt if it was just a mistake? I mean, come on, if it's just a mistake, everybody makes mistakes, whatever. But if it's a sin, now that's a different story. Nobody needs to feel guilty about a mistake. A mistake is a mistake. You didn't mean to do it. Didn't have enough information. You weren't old enough, you know. You weren't mature enough. You weren't paying close enough attention. You don't feel guilty for mistakes. You feel guilty for sin. But if there was no sin, and you're not a sinner, you don't need a savior, then where's all the guilt come from? Hello? It got real quiet out there. We, we can act like, oh, it's just a mistake, no big deal. It is a big deal. Because if it's sin, guess what? Sinners need saviors. Amen. We can't just pass it off as a mistake and act like it's no big deal. Some people say, well, pastor, I don't like it when you talk about sin. I know nobody does. I don't like it when I talk about sin. Because I have to look myself in the mirror. And I have to say, yeah, that conversation probably wasn't good. This situation probably, I, I, I think I knew better. I, let, let's just... Let's just Let's just be honest, I knew better and I still did the wrong thing. If that wasn't enough, I mean, really when you start reading through it, we're reading through the New Testament together, but if that wasn't enough, Jesus come along and waxed the hornet's nest on the whole matter. 
In his ministry, he taught two opposing ideas. It seemed like they shouldn't even come out of the same person's mouth. He came along and he made everybody feel worse about themselves. Okay, not everybody, but, but he raised the bar. He came into an environment where they had dumbed down the laws of God to say, oh, it's not real hard to be godly and it's not you know, hard to be righteous and God wasn't really that serious. And Jesus takes it and he pushes the bar way up high and he says, oh, no, 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 no. It's worse than you thought. It's worse than you thought. You thought you were kind of bad. No, you're really bad. They were, you know, you want me to give you a, a, an example? They were like, um, well, you know, Moses said. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's accurate. But it, it, actually more accurate would be, you know, if a man looks at a woman. Not, not commits the actual act. But if he just looks at a woman to commit, he's actually already committing that adultery in his heart. Oh, it's even worse than you thought. You thought you were bad. No, no, no. You're really, you're really bad. You thought you were good. No, no, no. You're not good. You thought you were righteous. You're not a righteous person. Nobody's good enough to be in the good favor of the Almighty because of their good works. Nobody's, nobody's good enough. That's what he told us. But then he came along and he said, oh, by the way, I love you just the way you are. What? right? You're like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. So the people are confused. They're like, wait a minute, Jesus, which is it? Either I'm terrible or God loves me. And Jesus was like, well, it is both. You're terrible and I love you. You're worse than you thought. And I love you much more than you could ever imagine. So this was really strange to those people. The people who wanted to be mistakers did not like Jesus. The people who were mistakers did not like Jesus. The people who were mistakers didn't want to show up for church because Jesus made them feel so bad. But the people that knew right in their gut that they were sinners, they loved Jesus because they were honest enough to look in the mirror and say, you know what? He's right. It is worse than I thought. If there's hope in this world for me, it's not because I'm going to do better, promise harder, commit more, or discipline myself. If there's hope for me as a sinner, it's not going to be through my efforts. I need a savior. Amen. I need a savior. So the proper response to God's correction is repentance. The sooner you embrace the fact you are a sinner, the sooner you can engage in God's grace. Let's, let's read Jonah together. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17. I'll let you stay seated because we're going to read the whole chapter, albeit 10 verses. And we'll read verse 17 of chapter 1 as well. This is, we kind of went through the story, Brother Joe did last Sunday. But uh, for those of you that didn't know, Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, preach to the people. Real simple message. Jonah said, no, I'm going the other direction. And he went and he was on a ship bound the opposite direction. And a great storm arose. And the storm arose and it was kind of like, you know, what do we do now? And so Jonah was like uh, asleep. And they said, wake up, Jonah, we're going to die. We're all going to die. The storm's going to kill us. It's going to capsize the boat. We're all going under. It's bad news, dude. Wake up. Jonah's like, oh. I mean, think about why could he sleep? Why could he sleep and everybody else is terrified? 
He's not even a sailor. He's just a traveler. Why could he sleep? Because he knew God wasn't done with him yet. Well, y'all aren't with me yet, are you? Maybe I offended you by calling you sinners. I'm a sinner, so don't get mad, okay? And if you think you're the worst sinner, look around you. There's somebody in your row that's out sends you 10 to 1. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Because there's no good people in here on their own. None of us. So you say, well, what, what does all this have to do with anything? So Jonah gets woken up. And as he is awakened out of his sleep, and they say, what do we do? He says, you know, I can tell you how to fix this storm. You know how to fix the storm. Yeah. Yeah. So I angered the God of gods. Okay. The, the big, the big one, the one that you guys don't even understand. You, you definitely don't get this. He controls time and space and nature and everything. You want to know how to fix this. I'm going the wrong direction. You want to know how to fix this. You send me back the other direction. Just toss me overboard. It'll get better. So guess what? They toss him overboard and immediately it's peaceful and serene. Like, wow, that was the real God. So this is where we're going to pick it up. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had prepared. Everybody say, had prepared. prepared. Oh, those two words just stick out to me. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, doesn't that really bother you? God already knew where Jonah was going to be, so he had a great fish prepared. Jonah, you think you're slick, don't you, buddy? I'm going I'm to cause this storm and make everybody on the ship just flip right out. They're going to toss you over, and then you're going to be fish food. That's exactly what's going to happen. God knew what was going to happen from the get-go. Now, Jonah is the man of God, and I know... They were trying hard not to do it, but some of you, you know, you've seen the movie, you, you've watched the, the Jonah, the Jonah VeggieTale movie, and I could see every time Joe would say Jonah was a prophet, <laughs> Kyle and John Wayne are trying to not lose it because they're thinking Jonah was a prophet, <laughs> but he really never got it. <laughs> if you watch him, you can spot it. <laughs> he did not get the point. That was for all of those VeggieTale young adults out there. All right. But the Lord had already prepared a great fish. He already knew what Jonah was going to do. Jonah uh, was a sinner, right? He was the man of God, but he was a sinner because why? God told him to do something. He did the opposite. So... Even though you are in church and you are saved and everything is good and even you can be in ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm going after everybody today, okay? Let's just, let's just kind of be transparent. I want everybody to feel like a sinner when I'm done. I do. I want you to feel, Because if you have sin in your life, that's exactly what you are. And if you're a sinner, you need a savior. I don't care if you've been saved before. There's not a one-stop shop. You got to keep going back to the Savior and saying, Jesus, I sinned. I made a mistake. I, 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 it's worse than a mistake. I knew it. I knew what I was doing. So I need to have forgiveness, right? So the scripture tells us 
second, uh, the second chapter, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Well, that's interesting while he's being digested. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now some of you, because of your sins, you found yourself in what felt like the belly of hell. Let's just be honest. Things got worse and worse and worse. For thou, look at what he says, Jonah says, For thou hadst cast me into the deep. In the midst of the seas, the floods come past me about all thy bills and waves passed over me. He said, God, you did this to me. No, God didn't do it to him, right? He did it to himself. But God knew where he was going from the get-go. He said, God, you allowed all this, didn't you? You allowed all this to happen so that I would turn. And then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet. Now that's where, that's where we all have to get. Yet, I will look again toward thy holy temple. What is he saying? He said, I'm going to turn around now. This is what, this is what I, I want you to understand. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for one day or you've not been saved yet or if you've been saved for 50 years. It does None of that matters. What matters is if you realize you're a sinner, you need a savior. So if you need a, a savior, you need to turn around now. Amen. You need to avoid destruction because Jesus wants to save you. And he says, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters come past me about, even to the soul, the depth closed round, around about me, or me around, me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. This is a, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a real big fish person. So fishermen, you can understand, this really grosses me out. Number one, handling fish and fish guts and all that kind of stuff, but being fish guts is another thing. <laughs> I cannot even imagine. Can you imagine, Brother Dummett, my dad being in the, the belly of a fish? Can you imagine that? Oh, my goodness. He'd be like nonstop throwing up. It'd be horrible. Why? Because some people can't. They just have that gag reflex and they can't stop. But can you imagine? He's, I mean, think about this. He's in the, the water and all the nasty. said the weeds were wrapped around my head. He said, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was, around, was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now, I don't know exactly what this means, but I, I have a, a, a thought that this whale or this fish or this great, you know, sea mammal, whatever it was, goes way down. See, you know, some of those places, they go really far down in the, in the sea, in the ocean. And it's like the mountains are all around it. What, what is that? That could have been the pressure. You know, the deeper you dive, you have to have special equipment. Can you imagine the havoc that was going on in Jonah? Like he's thinking, man, I should have just preached the message. This is ridiculous. It got, it got bad. The storm, it got worse. He got tossed over. It got even worse. The fish swallows him. And now he is being digested in the belly of this fish. And then the fish dives deep. It's, can it get any worse? He said, I went down. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. 
And they that observe lying vanities forsake thy, their own mercy. Now, okay. All right. I'm, I'm just going to tell you the first time I read through Jonah, several, first several times I read through Jonah, I was like, what in the world? He's talking about how bad it is for him. And he's talking about how he repented. And then he says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What in the world? That seems so out of place. Why is he saying they forsake their own mercy? Why is he saying that? That doesn't... Okay, so he's calling people a bunch of liars. What, what's the deal? And, and, and then it dawned on me. He's talking about people who lie to themselves and call themselves mistakers. Oh, I just made a bad mistake. It's just a bad mistake. It's no big deal. It's not really that. I mean, it's not, it's not good, right? But it's not sin. Yeah, it is. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. God had told me what I was supposed to do. And I didn't do it. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And he says, look, now those that observe lying vanities, what are they, what's vanity? Anybody? You're, you're consumed with yourself. If I lie to myself, that's what Jonah was saying. If, people who lie to themselves and they call themselves just mistakers and they don't acknowledge that they're sinners, they forsake their own mercy. Because you can't have mercy unless you acknowledge I need a savior. So what seemed out of place now makes perfect sense. And what he's doing, this book, I, I always wondered, why is this book in there? Because this book does not really give a lot of good light. God's getting ready to judge. And, you know, wh what's the deal? Jonah's this, he's supposed to be a preacher, but he's really not a good preacher. He, I, I mean, he is, but he's not. He, like, disobeys God. Any preacher who disobeys God can't be that good of a preacher, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed as a preacher. God, why you, 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 you know, kind of you threw a lot of preachers in bad light here so what's the deal the whole reason this book is here is to warn you to to acknowledge that you're a sinner to acknowledge that you have disobeyed God and there are things that you have failed God in and don't forsake your own mercy well I better keep reading but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving oh how can you be thankful while you're being digested I will pay that that I have owed. Salvation is of the Lord. <laughs> he said, okay, now you didn't get it. But first of all, he said, you, you allowed this to happen to me. I realize that I turn back to you. You're the only one that can help me. I need a savior. He says, so I will, I will sacrifice to you. I will turn around. And this is what he says. This is the turnaround. I want you to notice the turnaround that happens in verse 9. I will pay that that I have owed. You asked me to do something? It was a simple task. All I had to do was complete it. I didn't want to do it, so I went the opposite direction, but I will turn around now. Some of you, you need to turn around now in your life. God is trying to, he's allowed things to happen. He's allowed you to come into this wonderful place of people who love you and are encouraging you. And he's calling on you to turn around now. Some of you only play church. You only come once a week. And then the rest of the week, you kind of get caught up in your mistakes. And you say, well, it's not a big deal. I don't really need to, you know, pray. I, I've already been filled with the Holy Ghost. So I don't really need to be around the altar. That's for the sinners. You need to turn around now. Don't, don't, I mean, look, the storm, I can hear the storm coming, right? 
You might be getting on the ship thinking you're going the opposite direction and you've avoided all of the things that God, but God has got some special things in store for you. He's got some special things planned for you. And as long as you move the opposite direction, you will never fulfill what God has for your life. Verse 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. That is just crazy. The same God that had a fish ready made the fish get sick. He's like, dude, just, he says he's going to do it, spit him out. The proper response to God's correction is repentance. The sooner you embrace the fact that you're a sinner, the sooner you can engage in God's correction and God's grace. If you will say, look, God, I, I realize I'm a sinner. You're not going to, until you do that, you're not going to embrace the fact that God became your Savior. I don't need, I don't need God now. I've got the Holy Ghost. What? You need God. Amen. You need God. You can't make, how, how, how is it that we think we're going to get the Holy Ghost, which, which is God, and then we don't actually need God? Like we can go back to doing things on our own. Way it's quiet in here today. Sounds kind of like Jonah, though. Jonah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand why God allows this human being, this man of God, to do whatever he wants to do. We have free will; we can do what we want to do. Jonah goes the opposite direction. This is this, you want to talk about somebody who's saved. This guy's not only saved; he's preaching to people. And God says, whoa, 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 wait a second. So let me get this right. I tell you to do something, you go the opposite direction. Oh, no, no, no. Watch this. <sighs> Chaos starts to happen in his life. Some people are like, well, you know, God's punishing me. No, no, no. God's not punishing you. It's his grace and mercy that he's giving you a wake-up call and telling you, turn around now. That's what he's trying to do. As long as you're a mistaker, you're not going to try harder. You, you, you have to finally come to grips with that you didn't accidentally do something. There's, you know, there's something fundamentally wrong with you and me. Until we embrace the fact that we are all sinners, we'll never embrace our Savior. Jonah had to come to this, even though he was supposed to have already figured it out. One time Jesus told a story. How many of you remember uh, the story about the prodigal son? Anybody remember that story? We've heard it before. Well, if you haven't heard it, let me, let me give you a quick rundown. The son comes to the father and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because then I could get my inheritance. But now I have to wait till you die. Would you just pretend like you're dead and go ahead and give me half of your inheritance? Because, you know, I know I have a brother and he's entitled to half of it. But let me have my half now. So he insulted his father. He took half of his father's estate. He went to the city, blew it on wild women and partying and... Just had the time of his life for several weeks, several months. And he had, when he had spent all of his money and there was a famine in the land, he had to go get a job. And one day he realized, you know, I should go, I should go back and work for my dad. I mean, I'm not going to go back and try to be a son again because I already took my inheritance. That's done. He's going to write me off. But, you know, after all, there's, there's no way he will take me back as a son. 
But the guys who work for my dad, oh my goodness, they get treated so much better than they're treating me here in this city. I'll just go back and I'll ask my dad for a job. So he comes up with this speech and he rehearses this and he practices it and he gets it ready. And, and here's what he says when he gets to the father. And this is in Luke 15, 21. He says, Father, I have sinned. Let that sink in. He didn't say, Dad, I'm back. How's it going? You know, I know things, yeah, things didn't go too good. I made a few mistakes. You know, I'm young and stupid. I should have known better. Should have listened, you know. Uh, can we just move on, though? I'm embarrassed, but can we just, just, you know, forget about this and move on? No, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So in other words, he's saying, Dad, I'm, I'm not here to commit to you. I, I'm, I'm here with my hands raised in the air. And I'm, I'm trying to say, Dad, you don't owe me anything. I'm pleading for mercy because I'm a sinner. You see the difference in that posture? Do you remember what his dad said to him? <laughs> This is really what blows me away. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Why so quick? Shouldn't you let him grovel just a little bit more, dad? No, 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 quick. I want this restored as soon as possible. Now that he's recognized that he's a sinner, let's get on with this thing. So he said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, a ring on his finger. It's like you're reestablishing that he's one of your sons. Absolutely I am. But look at what he's done. Yeah, but he's back. But doesn't he owe you? No. No, he doesn't owe me anything. Put sandals on his feet because he's not a servant. Verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. How is he alive all he did was come back and say, I'm a sinner and beg for mercy. I know he's alive because he was lost and now he's found. And they begin to celebrate. Hey man, this is a great occasion. And the moral of the story is that the sooner you and I embrace our sinfulness, the sooner we're candidates for his grace. Amen. If we will just be willing to admit, that's, that's the problem. So many of us, we, we want to lie to ourselves. Jonah said, the ones who lie to themselves, they forsake their own mercy. Let me encourage you, don't lie to yourself. If it's sin, say it. I'm a sinner. But I don't want to say I'm a sinner. Nobody wants to acknowledge they're a sinner. That's why it gets so quiet when you preach about sin. That's why most people don't preach about sin. It's okay. I'm waving a red flag today. I don't care if it makes you mad. Make you mad all you want. Put the brakes on. Turn it around. Amen. You got to see this. Come on, guys. You got to see this. God is reaching for some of us that we've been acting like, I'm just a mistaker and I got no problems. And he says, no, you're a sinner and you need a savior. But until you acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need him, he can't embrace you. He can't love you. He can't put the robe on you. He can't put the ring on your finger or sandals on your feet. You've got to acknowledge it. Man, the sooner we see our misdeeds as sin, the sooner we feel what it feels like to be forgiven. 
Amen. There is no feeling like being forgiven. If it's just a mistake and we try to hide our sin, the psalmist gives us all kinds of warnings about that. And I'm not even in Psalms. I'm in Jonah still. Years later, the apostle Paul says it in this way in Romans 3.23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So look at your neighbor and say, that means you're included. That means you're included. All have sin. We all fall short of God's standard. We all fall short of his righteousness. And you would expect the next verse, Romans 3, 24, you would expect it to say, and boy, is God mad at you. God is going to make you pay. He's going to come after you. There's lightning bolts in your future, son. That's what you'd expect. But here's what Paul says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Come on, somebody. All have sinned but can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When you say Christ Jesus, I need a savior. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Come on, somebody. You can't have forgiveness without repentance. You can't have salvation without repentance. You can't even get the Holy Ghost without repentance. And some of us need to get back to repentance in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. As long as I'm making mistakes, I can just make up for it. When it becomes sin, I know there's a debt that I owe. Now stay with me. I'm closing. I know that there's restoration that needs to be made. There's a sacrifice. Jonah said, I'm going to give you the sacrifice. There's something that I have to do. Paul says, there's great news. Great news, everybody. All have sinned. So that means you. That means you. <laughs> That's everybody. That's Brother Julius in the media booth. Amen. That's Sister Lenita sitting up here signing. That's pastor preaching to you. That's Tyresha for sure over there on the keyboard. Amen. We all have sinned. Was that a little too much emphasis, Tyresha? I'm sorry. We all have sinned and we are all sinners. The question is, are you willing to acknowledge it? We, we, we feign, you know what feign means? We fake it. We feign a lot of ignorance. Oh, I didn't know that. Police officer pulls you over. You know how fast you were going? Oh, no. No, I have no clue I was going 80 in a 55. Right? Right, Michelle? I mean, right? We, <laughs> that's an inside joke. But <laughs> that's right. Now it's an outside joke. But how many of you have ever been tempted when the police officer says, how fast were you going? How many of you have been like, I think I was only going about. Right. And you're like, it's a 65. I think I was only going about 67. Not sure. Right. I was going 67 after I tapped on the brakes a couple times. Come on now. Just being honest. So here's the deal. We know that we sinned. We know that we broke the law. We know that we made a mistake. And we know that there's something to be paid. 
If you speed through Watertown, Louisiana, there is a debt to be paid. It's about $110. And they know you're not coming back through anytime soon. Because you have to be going there on purpose to get there. But we all feel that way. God, I'm a sinner. I owe you something now. If I acknowledge I'm a sinner, then I owe something to God. And he says, yeah, but that debt has already been paid. But, but God, I sinned. I broke your laws. What can I do to make it up to you? And he says, you don't have to do anything. Just admit you're a sinner. Just acknowledge that you've sinned and turn around. Quit sinning. Just, just come on, somebody. Just make up your mind. You're going to turn around. The moment that you make up your mind that you're going to turn around, you start going out of darkness into light. You start going, come on, somebody. You start breaking free of those chains that we were singing about. You start having a breakthrough in your life. But God, I finally, I finally reconcile with the fact that I'm a sinner. It's not just mistakes. It's a sin. What do I need to do? I owe you so much. And he says, you owed me so much you couldn't even pay it. So I became a man and I paid it for you. The debt has already been paid. It's not anything that you will do to earn it. It's not anything that you will do. Listen to the rest of this verse. Freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ, God became our sacrifice of atonement. And it's through faith in his blood that saves us. We were mistakers. We were going... Try to figure it out on our own. We were going to do better. You know, we were going to convince God that the good outweighed the bad. We we're going to stand before him on judgment. And, but look at all the things that I did. I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. And yeah, I, I stopped all my nasty habits. And we're going to do better next summer. And we weren't going to work as hard. We were going to break that habit. And all the mistakers are all about trusting in self to get it right. I'll do better. I'll do better. Just tr trust me. I got this. I'll do better. Sinners realize, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't need to do better. I don't need a most motivational speaker. I don't need a cheerleader. I need a savior. I am in the pit of miry clay. <laughs> we used to sing that, right? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock this day. Why? Because we need a savior. I can't make it without my Savior. Amen. I will not be saved without a Savior. You start becoming free the moment you acknowledge and in your heart you purpose to do the right thing and say, I am a sinner. I'm turning around today. Jesus came to be my Savior. You transfer your confidence and your trust from I can make it better to he's the only one that can save me. And so what happens as I close, when you repent, this is what you're saying. I'm now placing all my weight, all my trust, Jesus, in what you did on my behalf as a sinner. I realize there's nothing I can do to pay for my sin. Even if I got it right from this point forward, never made another mistake again. There's no way to go back and make up for what I've done wrong already. What I did wrong was not simply mistakes. I've sinned, and now I'm placing all my faith in you as my Savior and what you did for me.
Jesus, I do believe that you died on the cross. You were the sacrifice for my mistakes. You were the sacrifice for my sin. So I'm turning around today. I'm turning to you today. I'm going to quit doing what I think is best, and I'm going to say, God, whatever you think is best. I'm going to forsake my ways, and I'm going to say, God, I want to walk in your ways. That's why the sooner you embrace the fact that you're a sinner, the sooner you're enabling God to engage his grace with you. Would you stand? We've all disobeyed God, just like Jonah did. I, 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 I've been a little bit forceful in some of this message for a reason today, because we all have made mistakes. We've all disobeyed God, just like Jonah. Jonah knew what God wanted from him, but he did the opposite. Some of you here right now, you're feeling the weight of that statement. You knew what God wanted and did the opposite. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not trying to point you out or embarrass you. But I'm just saying you, you feel that guilt. You feel that weight right now. Because you know that God wants to be closer to you. You feel him pulling on your heartstrings. But you keep going the opposite direction. Let me just tell you, I, I'm, I'm trying to wave the flag and not be too obnoxious, but I have to be a little obnoxious. God will allow a great fish experience to happen in your life if that's what it takes. If that's what it takes. He loves you that much. He will let you be swallowed. Look at your neighbor and say, he loved me enough to let me be swallowed. So this is what we do. We embrace the fact that we're a sinner. We've sinned. Not mistaked. We sinned. And we're owning it today. And we're going to say, God, I need your grace. I need a Savior today. I, I, I will explain it to you. And I've kind of been thinking about this. We, we had our junior camp. And at our junior camp, there's uh, the children's evangelists were the Rimmers. In fact, we're going to have the Rimmers here in March next year. They're, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. The kids loved them. But this is the way Brother Rimmer explains it. And I know sometimes this is maybe a little too simple for all of you because you're theologians. But let me just, let me tell you how Brother Rimmer explains this is repentance. He says, what happens when you repent? You come, you come down to the altar. You close your eyes. You lift your face. You lift your hands and you speak in your outside voice and acknowledge that you've sinned. You tell God that you're sorry and you tell God that you're changing your ways and you're going to let him change you. And as you do that, he said, as you repent and as you say that you're sorry and you tell God things are going to change, what happens is God gets a hold of your heart and he starts to squeeze your heart. And when he squeezes your heart, juice comes out your eyes. And it's okay. It squeezes your heart. Juice comes out your eyes. And a beautiful thing happens. If you've never done it, he'll download a brand new language into your brain. And you'll begin to speak words that you didn't learn at school. That's what's going to happen to some of you today. I, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I'm ready. You know what? The only thing you have to be ready for is to say, God, I am a sinner. I've sinned. I, I've done it. You're right. Pastor's right. He called my bluff today. I'm a sinner. If you'll raise your face, close your eyes, raise your hands, speak in your outside voice, God's going to squeeze your heart. 
And when he squeezes your heart, juice is going to come out your eyes. And it's going to be beautiful. And God's going to fill you with his spirit today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to open up this altar right now. We know that we've sinned. We're not just mistakers. We're sinners. We've made mistakes, but we've also sinned. And we want to acknowledge that to you today, God. So I open up this altar to those who are willing and ready to declare themselves sinners in need of a Savior. Come on to this altar today. And God's going to touch you. God's going to, he's going to touch your heart. He's going to move on you as, you as you step out of your seat right now. Some of you know what's coming. Come on, just lift up your hands. Lift up your eyes. Uh, you, know, you don't have to plead and beg and, God, I, I'm so sorry and, and say a bunch of words. You just have to be real with God right now. Amen. God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Uh, God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the ways that I've disappointed you. I'm sorry, God, for the ways that I've let you down. The only thing that's going to stop you from becoming who God wants you to be is if you won't admit that you're a sinner today. If you'll admit it, God says, I'm ready to save you. I'm ready to change you. I'm ready to make you into what I want you to be. Would you call out to him today? Amen. Would you allow him to speak into your life? Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? is calling oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ oh come to the the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was born. 